Hey friends, did you know that you can come hang out with me in real life? That's right. The Work In Podcast and Savage Grace Coaching makes its home in a boutique studio space called The Loft Yoga and Wellness in historic downtown Spring Valley, Ohio. This hidden gem of the Miami Valley is nestled in between Dayton, Columbus, and Cincinnati. As a part of my mission to bring a legacy of resilience through movement, each month you can join me for a hike on the bike trail, followed by a free trauma-informed vinyasa class back at the studio on Main Street. Go to savagegracecoaching.com to see the calendar and join my newsletter, A Yoga Life on Main Street, to stay up to date on all the latest studio news, events, and gossip. And now... On to this week's episode. The danger of our diet culture is really in the dogma, the right and wrong that we attach to eating and food, the good and bad, all or nothing, perfection-seeking, black and white thinking, do or die kind of subtext within pretty much all diet programs. It's time to stop working out and start working in. You found the Work In Podcast for seriously stressed out professionals and the fit pros who serve them. This podcast is for resilient wellness professionals and their ever-curious clients who want to connect the dots for lasting wellness. I'm your host, Erica Thomas, and I help outstanding individuals like you find natural ways to shake off stress, tension, and trauma to burnout-proof body and business alike. The Work In is brought to you by Savage Grace Coaching, bringing trauma release and yoga together for resilience through movement. Private sessions, small groups, and corporate presentations are now open. Visit savagegracecoaching.com to schedule a call and get all the details. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back. There are a lot of different recommendations out there about the best ways to change a habit, especially when it comes to changing how we eat or whatever diet we're using. Without getting too far into food dogma, that's the topic of today's work in. When I started this podcast, I was surprised at how many health and fitness professionals had struggled with disordered eating and full-blown diagnosed eating disorders. Maybe I shouldn't have been, though, because of my own history and kind of twisted relationship with food. But isn't it interesting to note how many of us in wellness come to it through some kind of struggle with food and body image? That is, after all, the crux of this diet culture, our relationship with food. One might think fit pros should have their act together when it comes to nutrition, But we're human too. We survived the same trauma to get here as everyone else. And just because you are athletic when you're young or look fit now doesn't mean you've got it all figured out. In fact, when it comes to disordered eating and eating disorders, athletes are far more likely to suffer from some kind of body dysmorphia or eating disorder than non-athletes at any age. What that means is that we're all in it together, eating healthy, making healthy nutritional choices, changing a lifetime of habits is just as much a challenge for an instructor or coach at the front of the room 
as it is for the brand new student in the back row. She just might have more experience trying things, or maybe she's better at hiding it than most people. The danger of our diet culture is really in the dogma, the right and wrong that we attach to eating and food, the good and bad, all or nothing, perfection-seeking, black and white thinking, do or die kind of subtext within pretty much all diet programs. What we're really looking for, though, what we really should be talking about is behavior change, actual long-term behavior change. But in order to get that, you have to really go deep and discover some truths about yourself. You have to first want to change, and second, you have to see the need to change, and Finding that reason, whatever you come up with, that reason has to outweigh all of your excuses, all of those excuses that keep you within the familiar, comfortable relationship you currently have with food and how you eat it. Those answers can be really uncomfortable. Those answers aren't easy to find. And then you overlay this complex dysfunctional food relationship with actual addictive physiologic responses to sugar that come from our conventional food, and you have a perfect path to chronic illness and disease. Last week, I spoke with author Lynn Bowman about her book, Brownies for Breakfast, a cookbook for diabetics and the people who love them. If you missed that conversation, be sure to go back and have a listen. She is a really great cheerleader for people with type 2 diabetes and anyone looking to make serious dietary and health changes. But like many of us in the wellness space, she spoke as if changing everything you eat all at once is easy. As if once you have the information, you can just do it. Go all in, cold turkey. But the reality is that, and we discussed this a bit, there is a stretch of time if you decide to go cold turkey and change everything you eat, There's a stretch of time that you do go through withdrawal from all of that junk crap food. That withdrawal is not just physical. It's a physical withdrawal, yes, but also mental and emotional and even sometimes spiritual because we tie so many non-nutritional things to how we eat. It can be like a religion because it's never just what you eat. It's also why you're eating and how you're eating and when you're eating and with whom you are eating and how those things influence you. So what does disordered eating really look like in active people, maybe even athletes? If you are listening to this and you are in the wellness industry, I consider you to be some kind of athlete. When I was teaching at my max, I considered myself to be a professional athlete. And so 
I feel like these signs and symptoms of disordered eating apply, but they are not limited to active people. You could translate them to people who don't consider themselves athletes as well. So let's, uh, before we get into what disordered eating looks like for someone, um, let's talk about what it means. What is disordered eating? What is a an eating disorder. So you have probably heard of anorexia nervosa. Um, that is where people just refuse to eat. Uh, there's also bulimia where it's the binge purge cycle. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And then there's just simple binge eating, which is considered a disordered eating pattern, um, where you simply overeat all at once um, without the other two or maybe in combination. And because we have such a wide variation in our human beings, um, a lot of times there's combinations. So we don't want to limit ourselves to these strict definitions of these things. So when we're looking at um, what disordered eating or an eating disorder might look like, there are some signs, right? Some things to look for in people, and maybe you can look for this in yourself as well. There's a fixation. Um, let's start with the anorexia nervosa. We'll just start there, right? With this fixation on body weight, shape, or size. There's calorie counting. There's intense fear of gaining weight. Preoccupation with the contents and nutritional aspects of every kind of food. There's declining or skipping meals in anorexia, obviously. Um, there's refusing to eat in front of other people. There's specific food rules to follow. There's a, a distorted body image. Participation in some kind of aesthetic sport uh, raises the risk of anorexia. Um, so Aesthetic sports would be dance or gymnastics, figure skating, wrestling, equestrian. Uh, in that equestrian world, there's there's definitely an aesthetic that they're looking for. Unusual food behaviors, uh, lethargy or difficulty with stamina, uh, because of course, if you're not eating enough calories, you're going to be tired. And then impaired concentration, because the brain requires energy, right? So... Um, that's anorexia. Those are signs and, um, things to look for. And then we can move on to bulimia. So bulimia is this binge eating followed by some kind of compensatory behavior. And we think of it as purging where somebody eats and then they'll go throw up, but it could also be fasting after eating or excessive exercise. And that is um, very common in the fitness industry, this excessive ex exercise to control what your body looks like. And it is definitely more common in athletes. Um, all, all bulimia uh, types are more common in athletes. Binge eating behaviors after practice or that are interrupted or followed by trips to the bathroom. Eating in secret is one of the things to look for. Hiding food, preoccupation, again, with body weight, shape, and size, a distorted body image, uh, eating beyond fullness, and then expressing shame or guilt around eating, possessing, purchasing, or using diuretics and laxatives, excessive coffee drinking or fluid consumption, um, 
and scarring on the nu- on the knuckles as signs of someone who is partaking in bulimia. And then we have binge eating. So binge eating is is simply overeating um, excessively, and so you might see people eating in secret or someone be someone who eats in secret, hiding food, uh, expressing shame and guilt around food and or eating, eating very, very quickly, uh, reported feelings of depression and low self-worth. Nourishment in public is observed to be inappropriate with the amount of energy output. In, a, in other words, really, really overeating in front of other people as well. Uh, weight fluctuations follow with binge eating and lethargy. Um, I would expect that to be from, uh, possibly, uh, insulin resistance or blood sugar, uh, fluctuations as well. Now this information comes to you from a website called eating disorder hope uh, com. So feel free to check them out uh, if you're looking for more specifics about these three types of de- eating disorders for athletes. So when I read that list, I really identified with quite a few um, checks on that on that list of things. Um, a lot of them overlap with each other. Uh, Maybe you noticed that as well, specifically the um, distorted body image, a preoccupation with body weight, shape, and size, the shame and the guilt around eating, um, and things like that. It seems to be common among all of those disordered eating patterns. A lot of them also overlap and exist in regular diet habits. And diets in general can actually reinforce and reward some of these disordered eating patterns. We need to be very careful as coaches that we aren't contributing to more pressure and unrealistic expectations around food and nutrition. Part of that means that we stay within our scope when it comes to nutrition recommendations Yes, we always want to do that. Part of it is that we are aware of these signs in clients and in ourselves, And part of it means that it requires us to be a little bit more honest with our clients about our own experience and relationship with food. Sometimes that is is more helpful than anything else when we're connecting with other people around that struggle to create those behavior changes for long-term results. Just like sometimes we can't see our own body accurately when we look in the mirror, sometimes clients will make assumptions about us that may or may not be true based on how we look. And I think that coaches have an opportunity to share their personal experience to be able to really make a stronger influence when it comes to healthy relationship with food 
and finding the right eating pattern for everyone. Cold turkey, though, is not usually the best way to go about making those long-term behavior changes that need to happen in order to support that cold turkey diet change. Because here's what I'm, I mean by that. Like a cold turkey diet change would be someone like me who decided one day to just become a paleo eater. And so I did the whole 30, like just woke up one morning and did it. Like no preparation. I didn't really look too hard at it. I just did it. Cold turkey. One day I was eating the standard American diet. The next day I only ate paleo for 30 days straight. That is difficult. I have done things like that multiple different times, multiple different ways. And each time those cold turkey kinds of diet changes did what they claimed to do for the time that I was compliant with those diets. But personally, I don't like dogma and deprivation on my plate. I know you guys have heard me say before that food is my love language. I consider myself a little bit of a foodie. I enjoy food. Ultimately, my ultimate goal when it comes to diet and eating patterns for myself is that I want a healthy relationship with food. I want to be able to sit down to a beautiful plate of food and enjoy it without feeling guilty, without feeling like I have to go uh, run three miles, without feeling um, deprived as well. I believe food is more than nutrition and can go beyond what the eyes can see to nourish the body. Yes, but it can also nourish the mind and the spirit. So what happened for me after those cold turkey style of diets is that I kept everything that I loved about them and there was a lot to love about them. And then I let the rest go. Ultimately, that has made me much better off in the long term, much more self-aware and mindful about what I put on my plate and when and how and all of those things. Because all of that matters. It's not just about what the food is. All of it matters. And I think one of the reasons that people are so drawn towards this cold turkey dieting style is because it's so prescriptive and it seems easier. Just like most of us would prefer to take a pill (laughs) to get our exercise, to just fix it, you know, just take a pill and feel better than going for a walk or something else, a prescriptive diet takes some of the thinking out of the equation about what to eat, when to eat it, how to eat it, all of those things. So what I'm wondering here is when did we stop trusting ourselves when it comes to our own body? 
Seriously, ask yourself that question. When did I stop trusting myself? Now, give yourself one thing today to do that you can trust yourself to do. It doesn't have to have anything to do with food, but it could. We are talking about food here. So could you trust yourself to drink an extra glass of water today? Could you trust yourself to eat a piece of fruit? How about trusting yourself to eat when you actually feel hungry instead of stuffing that feeling down? What about trusting yourself to take a walk around the block or calling a friend to tell them about this great podcast you just heard? (laughs) Just kidding, but maybe not. Maybe the key to true long-term behavior change isn't about finding the perfect diet or going cold turkey or changing everything overnight or depriving yourself. Maybe the key to long-term behavior change and long-term health and wellness is trusting yourself. Thanks for listening today. If you like what you heard and you want to know more about how you can raise the standard of excellence in the fitness industry, or get one-on-one business coaching for your fitness business, head over to savagegracecoaching.com forward slash the work in for today's show notes, free resources, and links to book a call. Thanks everybody. We'll see you next time.